You are listening to Fed by Ravens with Matt and Adam. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Adam. Welcome to day 363 and 361. Bye! Ring Ring my bell. Ring my bell. We'll have to get copyrights for that song because oh, I man. think I nailed it. <laughs> Welcome to the last episode of not Fed by Ravens, but Fed by Ravens walk, 2018. 2018 walk walking through the entirety of the scriptures. If, if this is your first episode, uh, stop listening and go back to uh, day one. Yeah, and you'll appreciate this. But we're pretty excited. I can't believe we did it. This is how the people of God, like we, in a little way, we've experienced what the people of God always experience, which is let's do something that we don't think we can actually do, uh-huh. not know how to do it, uh-huh. slowly struggle through it, right, and then all of a sudden get through it <laughs> and say, praise God, we did it. Woo! I mean, and, and I will say, more than whatever, whatever this podcast accomplishes, it's been a huge gift for us yeah, personally, just mm-hmm. being able to go through the scriptures in this way, in a year, and talking about um, all the narrative, especially just getting the story more than trying to get all these wonderful little life-changing nuggets right. of, uh, of self-improvement. It's mm-hmm. like we've kind of, it's, it's taken some time, but it's had to wash away all the, our desire and our lens of self-improvement and peace. God, give it to me. Almost like he's broken down our vending machine, God. Not that we had that, but we, it's in us more than we like to think. There you go. You can sneeze, buddy. You can oh. sneeze. Let it all out. All right. <clears throat> so anyway, uh, it's been nice to see, oh, wow, the story is bigger than us, and we're a part of it, mm-hmm. which is pretty great. So we're glad you're with us. We're going to head into, um, and we should say, if you ever attempt to do anything that you know is great or an accomplishment for yourself, expect hardship. <laughs> expect yeah. some headwinds. And <clears throat> even today, I must say, I have some crazy pain going through uh, my left arm. His left arm is basically dead. It's My <laughs> arm is basically dead. It's my guitar playing arm. Um, and, every, and I can't breathe through my nose. It, we just feel like the last day we're getting hit with all these illnesses, but it's not going to stop us by the grace of God. <clears throat> so let's get to it. Our last three days of reading. Yeah, let's do it. Where are we in the OT, Matt? Our Old Testament reading for today is Nehemiah chapter 10 through chapter 13. Whew. So, we end chapter 9. Nehemiah is um, kind of setting, everything's looking good, right? We're praising God. We just remembered the whole story of God. Yes. We've been reading Deuteronomy. The mm-hmm. whole law has like crushed people's hearts and they're like crying because they can't believe how sinful they are and they've been for 600 years ago even. And the leaders are like, no, this is a holy day, let's rejoice. And you get total recall. And then we have uh, national repentance and confession and remembrance of our history and who we are. And so at the end of it all, it all culminates in the hearts of the people that we want to rededicate ourselves to the law of the Lord. And surprise, guess what's involved? A document with seals. seals. These seals keep coming back. I mean, it's crazy. (laughs) Like in Nehemiah, they all sign the outside of the seals. Like, Mm -hmm. because they want to remember that that God's made a covenant to them. Mm -hmm. 
And with that covenant comes curses and blessings, and they want to seal it and remember, which is crazy because you start thinking about like our names written in the Lamb's Book of Life and the seals that Christ can open. In Revelation, you're seeing like you're seeing the story just melt together. It's the same themes. Uh, the only difference is God's completing one in his strength versus the incompletion in our strength. Mm-hmm. So uh, they seal it. They say, yes, we oblige ourselves. Like we are, we're all in. Yes. And in verse 29, they go, they enter into a curse and an oath to walk in God's law, mm-hmm. right? The three things that I notice, yeah. one, they say we're going to obey the commandments, right? Mm-hmm. Two, <clears throat> we're not going to intermarry. Yes. Three, we're going to keep the Sabbath. And then four. Four, we're going to play with the third character in the story, the earth. And every seventh year, we're going to let the land rest. We're going to do the year of Jubilee. Dude, Finally. Dude, they, they caught that, though, from Deuteronomy. Yeah. Like, Man, we've messed up. Yes. And so they started by. And then they, and then they said, also, we're going to make sure we take care of the Levites and the priests. So it's classic people of God after God intervenes and goes to all this effort to rescue them, Mm -hmm. they're all ramped up. Now, we've seen this before with the people of God over and over again. We saw it with Joshua. Like, we will obey you, and as for me and my house, we'll follow the Lord. And they're all like, yay! And then, so... We will not neglect the house of our God, is what they say. So here's our tithes and our offerings, because we understand the temple is the word of God and the light, and we need to take care of it. And then, so then, a part of taking care of it is in chapter eleven, yes. where they realize, man, there are not a lot, there are not enough people in the city to protect the city, to maintain it, and maintain the temple. So then, they actually cast lots where one in every ten people or families are going to end up staying in the city. Yeah, because you realize mm. they all lived on their own farms, like 17 villages that surround yeah. Jerusalem, where everybody actually lives. And they have their own farms, and they prefer the open country to the confinement of si- the city living. The city life, and probably because they feel safer protecting themselves than being with a bunch of other schlubs who make mistakes right. and bring uh, scary stuff upon them. But that's not how we're called to live in isolation. Right. He calls us together to be centered around God's presence, mm. his temple in the land that he's marked off. So they agree, they cast lots, and they list all the names of the families that are going to stay in Jerusalem and help make Jerusalem great again. That's right. And it's like a tithe, too. So it's like one out of every ten, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah. That's a good catch. I didn't even think about that. Then you start to see uh, in the lists, right? So we get more lists, and you realize that God has saved groups of people. You know, there's 928 of... The Benjamites, there's 468 of Perez, and, and you start to see that he's, he's called and saved from the tribes warriors, gatekeepers, singers, like all the parts of the body yeah. of Christ. Yes. Then and, um, <clears throat> I will say, too, this is a theme kind of throughout another throw forward mm-hmm. to Revelation yeah. is the idea of these genealogies. Whenever I see genealogies now, I'm thinking... It just happened today, not whenever. So from yeah. now on, whenever I read a genealogy, I'm like, oh, how boring, and I just want to skip through it. I realize, oh, no, these records are important because there's a final record where my name will be written, and I will mm-hmm. be desperately looking for it and rejoicing right. over right. it. Like if you tried out for a play and you want to see who got the parts, and you're like, there's my name or the team. Mm-hmm. And so every time you see a genealogy, you're going, 
I made it. My family made it. Yes. The people I love made it. Mm-hmm. Praise God. And so it's, you know, when you're not interested or connected, you're like, it's just a list of names. Who cares? How does this affect my life? Well, it does affect your life because you should be asking God to be on that list, sucker. Boom. I'm um, angry about it. All right. So much anger. Interesting. It's my, it's my dead arm. Uh, then we get uh, beginning of 12 is... Uh, relisting the priests and the Levites and kind yeah. of highlighting the families that made it back and are uh, faithfully serving at the temple. And then we get this really cool scene in uh, the middle of 12, I know. which is the dedication of the wall. And Nehemiah sets up this whole thing where he gets all the Levitical uh, singers, but then he even gets singers from other towns to show up, and they create this, like... Uh, dedication prayer walk around the walls yeah and they all go out the the dung gate and then they <laughs> they separate they have two parties nehemiah is leading one party ezra's leading the other and they sing around the walls and meet back up on the other side in front of the temple well the idea too that i gathered was it's it was like a three-part thing like you have the names of all the people. Then there's a dedication. Uh-huh. And that's what you're talking about. Yeah. It's really cool. Like you dedicate spaces to the Lord. You yes. dedicate land to the Lord. This is why you pray over your house. You mm-hmm. pray over your kids. You pray and you dedicate and you celebrate the goodness of God in giving you this. <clears throat> thing. Yeah. And then you set it apart. And then it culminates. It culminates in the actual worship and service of God, right? Yes. At the temple. At the temple. And everybody's doing and the idea too that I gathered was like, they hadn't had singers and things since the time of David, but then I think it happened yeah. sporadically. I mean, Solomon had it, and yeah. Right, but it was like a throwback to, hey, we're doing it the way David did it. The way David had originally set it all up. And the idea here is, we're going to do it like this forever. Uh-huh. Which we know, we say that, I'm going to eat right forever uh-huh. until a Christmas party. And so uh, the people of God at this point, it's like, we're back, baby. We're yes. back, and we're rocking. So then we get to chapter 13, our final Old Testament chapter. I know. And so, uh, Nehemiah... Oh, okay, so it starts off with another little reform that they're reading from the book of Moses. They find out, like, oh, yeah, the Ammonites and the Moabites, they're not allowed to enter into the temple because of the fact that they hired a... They throw back to Balaam. Yeah. And they're like, oh, yeah, God, like, forbid them from entering into the temple because they hired Balaam to curse us. So I realized, I was like, why did they all of a sudden think of this story, of all stories? And I realized it's because they're reading Deuteronomy. Mm -hmm. And so, oh, these people were cursing God. And it's similar to the people around them now cursing Mm -hmm. them. Yeah. And so it's like, they're all related to Ammonite and Moabite. And remember, they hired Balaam to mess us up. And how did Balaam do it? By mm-hmm. intermarriage. Yes, yes. And uh, intersexual Relations. stuff. Yeah, yeah, like that was the whole allure. And so again, it's not like a, a necessarily a racist thing. It's a, we're fighting the curse of them trying to wipe us out through marriage. Mm-hmm. Right. So... <clears throat> so they're all on with that. They, they decide, okay, we're going to set ourselves apart. We're good. Yeah. Now... We get this little aside that Nehemiah, because he did say he was going to be, he told uh, Artaxerxes. Artaxerxes that he was only going to be gone for like 12 right. years. So he does go back to Artaxerxes after he set everything back up. And while he's away, things quickly begin to crumble. 
And yes. this is the story of our people. So we're right. feeling good, but there's a la- this last chapter, and the last chapter is where we live. Yes. Because it kind of sets, it's like a dissonant note. It's not a completing note yet. It's like, we're all good. We're the people of God. And then it ends. Uh-huh. And it's like, whoa, that was a deep song. Because Eliashib, yeah. um, I, I refer to him as the mole priest for Tobiah. Yes. So Tobiah's the guy with Sam Ballot who uh, has power outside of the people of God. So he has his inside guy. And somehow, I, I, I just know, the Bible doesn't say why this happened. It just says that it happened. But Tobiah is using a whole room in the temple to s- basically skim all the offerings that are for the singers mm-hmm. and the Levites. He, he's receiving that as some kind of payoff and being stored in the temple room to the point where the Levites and the singers go back to working in the fields because they can't afford to sing or work there anymore. Yeah, so he's like has a special room in the temple rented out for him, which is not great. And then no. he's also stealing yeah. and uh, taxing the singers and the Levites, which right. is it's horrible. Horrible. So, and so... Uh, so that's the first thing Nehemiah has to go. So Nehemiah is away, but then he's like begging Artaxerxes, like, hey, I just want to go back and check up on my people, see how everything's going. That is good leadership, too. Like, I just want to see, check in, you know? Let's check in and see how things are going, because almost always you have to check in on the people you've taught and go, yeah. no, no, no. Yeah, so he gets back, finds this whole deal with Tobiah, and cleans house. Like, he, we almost have a precursor to what Jesus does yes. in the temple, and he goes in, clears out the room that was set up for him, and... Because clearly Tobiah is the den of thieves. Like, you yeah. turned my temple into oh, yeah, a den totally. of robbers. He's robbing the tithes and offerings, and he's storing it using the temple as a shelter, like the ultimate in laundering money illegally. And so he cleans that and says, no, you got to restore the singers to worship and the tithes and offerings and get this out of here. That's yeah. one. So he gets rid of that. Then he finds out, yeah, the, the Levitical uh, Levites and the singers have gone back to farming, and he's like, Bring All them. right, let's get the officials. You guys need to bring them back. You need to make sure they're getting paid. We need to reset this up. We're supposed to be doing this right. I don't know if you guys remember, but there's a document with your names on it. Right. Boom. Then he finds out what is going on on the Sabbath day. Oh, yeah. So number two, so they're already breaking the things they said they would do, yes. right? And they just said it, which is classic us. Uh-huh. Sabbath day, and, and there's justifications for all these, right? Because I know the justification for the Tobiah thing is he's a powerful link to the outside world. We have to pay him off because that's how you do it. And right. Nehemiah's like, that's not how we do it, people. Right. We don't justify this stuff. Because number two was, all the sellers from around us, they come on the Sabbath day. And what if they don't come back? And so we just open our gates. And Nehemiah says, are you crazy? So he locks the doors on the Sabbath and tells the sellers, if you guys come back to sell these things, we're going to lay hands on you. And guess what the sellers sellers did? They stopped showing up on the Sabbath. But guess what the sellers still want? They want to sell stuff. So they come back on a different day. Yes. So your fear is not justified. And you re- he has to restore the Sabbath day. And every time, Nehemiah is going, Lord, remember me, please. please. I'm so sorry. Because he's connected yes. to his sick and sinful people who just keep going backward. Yeah, and he's like, okay, Lord, remember that we're, trying, we're working on it. And so then the next thing he finds out oh, yeah. is, oh, so you guys are intermarrying again. Wow. 
Um, you're intermarrying, and we're losing our identity as the people of God. Yeah, your kids are speaking the not even speaking our language anymore. We're losing our story, but more than that, you're combining with their gods. Yes, and you, your one job, people of God, is to carry the story of God to your kids, and I love and it. Protect that above all things. I love it too because he connects it to Solomon. He's like, yeah, don't you remember this? Took down Solomon. The wisest man on earth got taken down by this thing. Yes. The wisest man. God gave him wisdom. And he built all the original temple. And you think you can justify it by going, well, they're really pretty and they're really nice and it'll help political, geographical things go smoother. We can survive better if we just marry. You survive better by trusting the Lord. Right. And so he confronts them and... With cursing, beating, and pulling out their hair. Oh, I wish we could act like Nehemiah sometimes. (laughs) Our sweet brothers and sisters, and myself included. I have to beat myself up. But when we go back, we say we're going to, we know the kind of people we want to be, but we make all the wrong decisions. And then he finds out that a son of the high priest uh, married Sam Ballot's daughter. And so he just exiles that guy. Yeah, He's like, out. you know what? You're out. He knew better. You Get just, out of here. You just married the enemy. Yeah. Well, I like how... Um, so this is how the Old Testament ends. Well, so it ends with him saying, Thus I cleanse them from everything foreign, and I established the duties of the priests and the Levites, each in his work, and I provided for the wood of offering at appointed times and for the first fruits. Remember me, oh my God, for good. Well, I see like the trajectory for the next 300 and something years. The things that yes. are important to the Jews yes. in, in Jesus' day. Yes, so this, which is great, because if you just keep reading the Bible every year, yeah. this does set us up for a, a circular route, because yes. now we end Nehemiah, and this totally lays out the scene for uh, the Gospels. Right. Because the Jews take this, this setup that by, from Nehemiah, and they take it to heart, and they go overboard with it well okay so the old testament reading goes right into the new yeah and the new testament revelation goes right Right back back to creation because it's so similar beautiful i know it's like a perfect number eight yeah old testament to new new to old but you're right so that's why when jesus comes it's like they're all about the sabbath day they're all about not talking jews don't talk to gentiles and they're all about um the temple like we got to do our temple duties yes and so they see jesus as the threat which is so funny because this book ends with we need a champion mm-hmm. who prays for us and corrects us all the time. Is yes. Nehemiah going to live forever and cleanse no. us all the time? And that's why Nehemiah is like, oh, God, I know I can't do this all right. the time. And so you end. Who will save us from the, the enemy that's been revealed through the whole Old Testament? Is We always have these outer enemies, but really it ends with who will save us from ourselves? Right? Whew. Yeah. So the cry is, and the preparation is, come Lord Jesus. So when the baby Jesus comes, born of a virgin, we are super excited and waiting for it. Like he is the consolation of Israel. He will reign with peace. He will do all the things that we've been unable to do. Come Lord Jesus. And thus concludes the Old Old Testament. Testament. story it's our story and you can see the cycles in it but let's move to a even greater story in our new testament reading for the day matt what is it all right our new testament reading for today is revelation chapter 20 through 22 
All right. So we ended with the two feasts. The feast yes. of the marriage supper of the Lamb for uh, the bride of Christ. And the feast of the vultures for the people, for the enemies of Christ. I know. We're out of coffee. It's the uh, last day of the show, too. I know. It's because your wife took a hit off the coffee okay. today. Yeah, anyway. that happened. I forgive right. you. Thank you. Uh, so now we get uh, another scene. Yes. So we, we're entering the sixth scene of the end times. Mm-hmm. And this is important because even I, even me, Adam, knowing these things, was reading today's going, trying to figure out, wait, what's coming up? And what's the story? I, I got sucked into a linear chronological attempt to understand these things, yes. right? Yes. And that's the temptation we're all fighting because we live in a world that only sees things as getting better and better or moving in one direction, and that's how we tell our stories. And so I had to be reminded. It's not. This is another angle. From, of the same thing. Of the same thing. But there is some new information. There is, okay, yeah, and that's what we get from each angle is we get a different view, and the reason we're doing it is because there's always a new layer of things to understand. Just like if there's an event that happened and you get the testimony of six different people, you learn something new from their angle. Okay. So the last scene, if you really look at it, is the story arc of the followers of the two beasts and the followers of the lamb. And so now, on this angle now, we're getting the story arc of um, the dragon, Satan. So we're dealing with Satan himself now. Yeah, and, and so we do, again, don't think of this as like this vision or the, the events of this vision directly follow the events of 19. Think of them happening, happening concurrently uh, with it. So just there, another angle. Right. And so um, one, a, a topic of great discussion in the church, especially in the last hundred years, is this thousand years. Yes. People take it literally as an actual thousand years. That's one line of thought. But we know because it's apocalyptic literature littered with sim- symbolism yes. that a thousand is this perfect number. It's just a number of... It's 10 cubes, right? Yeah. And so if you remember, Adam was 930... When he died, he was 70 years short of the, the eternal life or perfect life, life yeah. for a human. So this is just the number of perfection and not an actual number that we have to look for. Is it a thousand years? Because the story is that the ancient serpent, the dragon, who is the devil and Satan, this is how we know him, yeah. bound him. He's bound for a thousand years. Yes. And so that he might not deceive the nations any longer until the thousand years are ended. And now this is important because we see this, and if you're following the story, I see it as the strong man has been bound by Jesus. Yes. This is what Jesus is referencing. He says, I first must come to draw, bind the strong man so then I can plunder his house. Mm-hmm. And, and so this is what Jesus did on the cross was he bound Satan up. And one of the ways I see it as evidence of this is mm-hmm. before the coming of Christ, every government across the world was led by they had their gods yes they all strongly believed in these gods these powerful demonic forces and they saw signs they saw miracles demonic things happen yeah Yeah. and then after the work of jesus we have seen though that those types of governments and those types of beliefs trickle off into tradition folklore myths 
and they've been slowly over the years losing, or actually rapidly losing power until we basically, most of our society across the world believes there aren't really gods. Right. So now, uh, that was the convincing proof when you said that I was like trying to figure it all out. And you're right. The fact that most world governments today are using reason and uh, political structures to govern, Mm -hmm. they are not acknowledging a God, does suggest that Satan has been bound, his power has been greatly diminished, and and that's why it says after that thousand years, he must be released for a little while. So the idea is that Satan right now is bound up. Mm -hmm. And Jesus is plundering the house. And Jesus is plundering the house, saving all those who were destined for destruction, but this is what helped me to think about it like this. Just like when someone commits a crime, they get arrested, they're accused, and if it's a serious crime, they're held, they're held in jail until they're Court tried. Date. Right. Mm-hmm. So you got to think of the dragon now has been accused uh, and he's being held right now. But right. the rest of chapter 20, it says straight up, he is going to be released and all of his captives, like Hades and... All that is going to be, they're going to lose the people they had. Mm-hmm. And all of it's going to be released from its prison to and basically try to fight. Right. But that's actually an invitation to their judgment, their court date, yes. where they're going to meet God and he's going to judge. Yeah. And so the judgment will be, um, I mean, I just want to read it all. But anyway, they so... The idea is, well, I have to say, during this time, it says the people who did not worship the beast, like those of us who did not receive its mark, they came to life and reigned with Christ a thousand years. Mm -hmm. And so this, I believe, is talking about when we receive Christ, we come to life Mm -hmm. and we live in this time where Christ reigns. Yes. He rules. We worship him as king. But it's not complete yet because we're still awaiting the final court date of Satan. Yes. And so uh, when you try to figure this out chronologically, you get into weird things that are hard to understand. Uh But I think the best way to say is Christ apprehended Satan. He's in jail awaiting his final judgment. And all of us who turn to Christ, we find life now, although it's not complete yet because we're waiting for this final judgment. Yes. Then it does say Satan's released. He gathers all the nations that uh, believe in him (laughs) Mm -hmm. or who are deceived by him to march up against the people of God. But the people of God are saved by something that has often saved the people of God is a pillar of fire. Yes. Comes down and consumes Satan and and his minions. Well, and he <laughs> says he's thrown into the lake. So he's thrown in the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were. Yep. And they'll be tormented day and night forever and ever. Yes. So this is the judgment. And what's cool is that um, this, there's there's a mention of a first death and a second death. Yeah. This is why we believe Christ reigns now. We have we have overcome the first death. So though we are die, we will live forever. Yes, that's the first death. The second death is this judgment, and that's the sec- uh, that's part of chapter twenty here. There's a great white throne of judgment, mm-hmm. where and it straight up says the people with the mark of God on them we withstand the second judgment, the yes. second death. Yes. Those who do not, they actually die. The second death is their judgment. So think of a court case yes. to serve eternally their, um, their sentence. So in this second judgment, all or the final judgment, 
all the dead, all everyone yeah. is brought before the throne of God. Uh, and the book of life is opened, and it says they are judged according to their works. And basically, the works are not, it's not all of a sudden legalistic. It's, no. do you put yourself underneath the works of Christ or the works of your own flesh? Right. And if you put yourselves under the works of Christ, you're in. If you put yourself under your own works, you're out. Or anyone else's works, you're out. So, yeah, he said, I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. The books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. Yes. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they'd done. And this is where, here's what they've done. The sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. So again, the first part of this scene is dealing with the beast and his people. Yes. That, so you got to put that in context here because we know we're judged according to the works of Christ. But this is the second death. Yeah, and I love how the final thing is death is thrown into the lake of fire. Yeah. He destroys the destroyer. Yeah. I'm like, oh, man, that's so great. And so the fire warms us and guides us at night, but it burns, too. It's just yeah. like water. It drowns or yeah. it saves. Yeah. And fire uh, destroys or it saves. So now we get into chapter 21 and 22, which is the two great chapters. The two, There's four. There's like four great chapters in the Bible where we are not tainted by sin. Yeah. It's the bookends. Genesis 1 and 2, because we fall in 3. And Revelation 21 and 22, where all evil has been defeated. So these are great. If you ever want to be encouraged, read the first two chapters of the Bible and the last two, because that's what we're bookended by. Okay, chapter 21. The new heavens and the new earth. Boom. We call our church New City, mm -hmm. and I was inspired by this, because there is a new city. We don't always live in Babylon. Yeah. And the new heaven and the new earth uh, they show us a couple of things. God's commitment to the, the characters, right? Yes. The characters of the story. He's committed to the earth, a place, a paradise, a place where we live, where we create, where we have dominion, but we do it with life. Yeah. And where we walk with him, there's a temple, there's love, there's love for each other. Actually, there isn't a temple. I know, because the whole thing is a temple, because God dwells with us. Yes. I mean, it's so beautiful, and he says, I saw a holy city, a new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. So the whole imagery of we are the bride of Christ, we're finally made clean, we're in our wedding clothes, and he's going to carry us across the threshold into our new home, which used to be a tradition for people. Yep. And then I, I do love, like, John has, is, like, struggling to describe it, mm -hmm. so he describes it in a way of negation. Oh, like, interesting. And, because like, he's like, I can just tell you what there isn't going to be. Because right. I don't know how to describe what there is going to be there. And so he says, there won't be any... The, every tear will be uh, wiped from their eyes. Death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. Well, and the reason is, it's the thing we've heard in the Old Testament over and over again. The dwelling place of God is with man. Yes. Which is what Jesus brought. Like, we are the temples of God now, but it... What was in faith will now be in sight. And so the presence of God wipes away all the effects of evil, which is crying and mourning and death. And so uh, 
he says straight up, the one who, he who is seated on the throne said, behold, I'm making all things new. Yes. I love that. Write this down. I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the first two chapters of the Bible and the last two. <laughs> I mean, to the thirsty, I will give the spring of water of life without payment. Like, you'll be able to live without having to pay for things. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. And then he goes, but, because they're still remembering the, the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, murderers, sexual and moral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire, sulfur, which is the second death. Yes. So that wraps up that idea, and then we just focus on the new Jerusalem, which is described, you read about all the, um, like, okay, we always hear about streets of gold, yeah. but after reading the scriptures, now you realize all of these, these precious jewels were on the priest's garments yes. to uh, represent holiness, set-apartness, beauty, perfection, completion. And uh, so you see these jewels all over, like even the gates and the, the, the city of Jerusalem. And it's like, again, this is all symbolism too. So it, before you start thinking you know what heaven's going to look like, yeah. it's not giving you, this is exactly what it looks like. It's saying, we are this new city. We are this bride. It is set apart like yeah. a priest because we're all priests. Mm -hmm. You know, the, there won't be a son because Jesus is there. Like he's yeah. the light of the world. Yeah, and he's just again describing like it's going to be completely better than we can imagine. Mm -hmm. And there's not going to be any fear of death or pain or suffering. Like the gates are going to be continually open. There won't be any fear of night or darkness. It's light will the nations will walk yeah. under its light. All the kings and the glory will be there. Everything is great. Now, I will say, um, because of the commitment of God to the earth, there is the idea we get from the scriptures is this a new creation. So God thinks this world is very good. Uh -huh. That's why you got to read Genesis 1 and 2. This is very good. He's not like, oh, I, I want to destroy all of it because physical is bad. No. He came. He recreates a new earth. Which is what we see with Jesus, yeah. who is recognizable after his death and resurrection. That so the idea for us is we will inherit a world that is recognizable to us, uh -huh. but better than we like all the desires of our hearts. They were there for a purpose. Yes, because that was the truth. Their mosquitoes weren't supposed to ruin your day, right? And they won't. Then there's a return to the river of life, the rivers that flow from the Garden of Eden. Yes, or and from the. And the trees. The temple. Like this the was, temple, yeah. was this Daniel? Oh, or no, this was Ezekiel. Yep. The water flowing from the altar. Making all salt water fresh. Yes. And then the trees growing up beside the trees of life growing up by its river's edge. And then the it says the leaves I don't know why I like this so much, but it's like the leaves will be used to heal the nations. Healing the nations. And the idea that the earth will take part of our eternal healing. Well, and he combines, so you're totally healed, and there won't be anything accursed, but the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it. Yes. So it's like God's throne room will be among us, open. We can see it. That's why it's like we see the sun. Like, and the question is, how can we see something so brilliant? Well, imagine the sun. We're, it's a magnificent, like it should destroy us, but we see it every day, and that's how God will be among us. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. So here's... You know, we offer all the talk of Mark of the Beast in Revelation. It's like you're focusing on the wrong thing, Christians. 
the uh, the thing that comes back over and over again, tr- uh, chapter 22, verse 4, they will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. That's what we wear. We wear the mark of the cross. Right. And his name is on us. And uh, he will reign forever and ever. And then John kind of struggles. It's so overwhelming. He keeps trying to worship the angel. Yeah, that's giving him, that's showing him and guiding him through all of this. And he's just like overwhelmed by what he's seeing. He's like, whoa, worship God. But I will say there's red letters here in the last page. Yes. And the red letters, Jesus says, he says, behold, I'm coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the word of the prophecy of this book. He says it again. Behold, I'm coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay everyone for what he has done. I am the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. And you're blessed if your robes have been washed by the blood of Christ so that you all might have the right to the tree of life and may enter the city by the gates. Mm. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things. For the churches, I am the root of and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. And the spirit and the bride say, come. That's what the church says, come. Let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. There's some other things, but we end the whole story here by he who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming soon. That's Jesus. Amen. Amen. Come Come, Lord Lord Jesus. Jesus. And the last line in the scriptures is, the grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. Amen. That is the amen. Guys, we win. Endure. You don't have to understand everything. You've just, boom, you've just heard the whole Bible. You don't have to understand everything. You just need to know there is a God. He's come for you. He loves you. He's holding on to you. You hold on to him. final psalm is Psalm 150. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with lute and harp. Praise him with the tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and the pipe. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Boom. You've just been fed Fed by by ravens ravens all year. Well, go in peace and serve the Lord. Hope this has been a wonderful year for you, however you've broken it up, or maybe it's the year 2030. Who cares? The Word of God is sure and beautiful, and God's story is now intertwined with your story. Also, uh, look for a bonus episode that will uh, lead you to some bonus prizes or celebration uh, gifts for yourself for completing this. That's what we've learned by reading the whole scriptures. That it's one thing to get through the first six days of work, but you got to rest and enjoy what you've done. So we're trying to create some things to celebrate our accomplishments together with each other and the Lord. Go in peace and serve the Lord. We will talk to you next time. Mm-hmm.